Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Oh, man. Um, also, it's a, it's a privilege to stay married. <laughs> and so, I don't know everyone's anniversary, but I do know that someone celebrated their 50th. And so, if Earl and Val could just stand, 50 years of marriage. Amen. And I know Earl's going to get saved and drink Starbucks here soon, so... Sorry, he's a Tim Hortons fan and a Dodge fan, so we still pray for his salvation. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. It's, but hey, I, I tell you what, in this day and age, we have, we have a few people that have been married longer than 50. Just stand up. If you've been long, married longer than 50 years, just stand up. Yep. Amen. Come on. I say that for a reason because we're a passionate, God-loving church that passionately goes after truth. We don't get it right every single time, but that's where grace comes in, amen? And the grace of God allows us to go after truth. It's not the grace of God that allows us to sin. It's the grace of God that allows us to live, leave sin and live truth. And so we celebrate that, and anytime there's a milestone, any one year is a milestone in marriages nowadays, and we celebrate that. But when you get up into the 50-year range, that's, that's impressive, and we just celebrate that. So excited about that. We're pro-marriage here. Um, it doesn't mean that if you've gone through a bad relationship or you've gone through a divorce, we don't love you. We actually love you just as much because we love all people. It's not contingent on your past that we love you. We love you contingent on Jesus Christ loves you and died for you and rose from the grave for us and God to allow us into the entrance of the kingdom of heaven, to allow us an intimate relationship with the Father. So whatever sin you've done is finished and done by the blood of Jesus Christ and it was forgiven by his resurrection, amen? And so we don't, it, it, it literally does not matter. If you came and told me, you won't shock me. I have heard more stories, more things, more testimonies that people did. My own life was a testimony that chose to walk against what I learned and grew up in, and that was God. And God still loved me. You see, we don't, we don't hate people. We hate sin, but we love the people. I don't care what level of sin you're in, we're going to love you. We're not going to agree with you, but we're going to love you. I pray and hope that we can love you right out of that lifestyle. Because every one of us in here is not better or worse than anybody else. Just look to the person beside you and say, you know what? I'm not better than you. Look to your left. Look to your right and say, you I'm still praying for. No, no, I'm not better than you either. It's really important. I, I wrote down uh, something that as, as uh, worship was going on, when Jeremy asked us to sing that song, the, last song, the first song, Last Again, if you're calling out, bless me, God, you can't be blessing him. If you're living a lifestyle of bless me, God, 
bless me people, then you can't be blessing him and blessing others at the same time. We shouldn't live a, life, we shouldn't live a lifestyle of asking, we should live a lifestyle of blessing. And so often we pray blessing to God. But how many of us come in here or live life longing to receive a blessing? And that's why I, I felt in my heart to start teaching on the nine Beatitudes. Because there's keys, nine keys that Jesus felt important enough that he walked up the Mount of Olives. And the reason it's called the Mount of Olives is because there's an olive orchard there and an olive press. And so the locals just called it the Mount of Olives. Some of those olive trees, Sharon and I walked by uh, three weeks ago, some of them are dated back up to 2,000 years old. An olive tree is the one tree that actually never dies if a windstorm or drought doesn't take it out. It continues to keep growing very slowly. So it's interesting that Jesus would walk up the Mount of Olives and start teaching his disciples Nine important keys, nine must-have strategies for success in their ministries, which leads to success in their lives. So many people want success in your life without the success in ministry. You think you have to be in full-time ministry to have a successful ministry. That's absolutely not true. Your life is a ministry. That's its success. And in that success, you will find the blessings abundant wherever we walk. doesn't mean it goes our way every single time. What it means is when we understand the blessing of the success of the kingdom of heaven, any difficulty that comes our way, he already has the answer. And because we're so close to him, we just know the answer. Jesus taught that true happiness is based in our attitude. So we call them the be attitudes. Be these nine attitudes. Be attitudes. But the reality is, is every beatitude is giving us the ability for understanding happiness. Imagine. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Happiness is in the kingdom. You see, the kingdom of heaven is not at war. They won the war. They're not up there, the angels. How are we going to defeat the devil? They're actually up there praising and singing, joyful anticipation. The 24 elders are, are throwing their crown nonstop at the foot of God, crying out, holy, holy, holy. You see, they are in an attitude of celebration. The only anticipation is you and me. The anticipation in the kingdom of heaven is looking at you and me trying to decipher if we're going to get it or not. And if we're going to get it, I guarantee you, you will have an attitude of worship, not singing a slow song, but it's an attitude of happiness. Because worship lifestyle will always bring us into joy. That's the praises to our king. I'm in the process of writing my first book on that exact subject. And I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to when it gets released. I might be the only one that owns it, but no one else wants to buy it, but that's okay. I'll still like it. 
Maybe. I've never written one. I got to see how it works. Jesus taught that true happiness is based on our attitudes, and I want to teach about how you be attitude. I'm not going to make it through all nine today, probably. Maybe it'll be a series. Who knows? So Jesus sits on this Mount of Olives teaching the disciples about an attitude. And this attitude will bring you blessings, contentment, peace, and true happiness. If you listen to these nine attitudes, you will have blessing, contentment, peace, and true happiness. You won't be saying, bless me, Lord. You'll be saying, I'm so overflow, I just got to flow out and bless others. You won't be crying out, heal me, Lord. You're going to be saying, I am healed. And through that understanding, that literally, I believe the infirmities have no effect whatsoever. You see, I can get depressed when my physical body gets weary. But the reality is, is my spirit, once I understand my trueness of identity, should not be weary, but I need to have poor in spirit to get there. I'm going to call up my son, Justin. Oh, he's back on the camera, so come on up, buddy. He had a word through worship, and I felt that it was important. And I actually felt that it was more for releasing part a trigger in this message than it was to bring it during worship. So share the vision you had. Okay. Hey, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, had a, I just had a picture kind of just flash by, and then I was just kind of like, okay, hi. And then... Uh, and then after I got a revelation of it, but I saw this, uh, I was like a third person view. I was like literally like looking up as like where was the lights and I was looking down here and I saw this white cloud just cover everybody as they're worshiping. And, and to me, I felt like it was the Holy Spirit covering. But then on each, each, every person, I saw these lights, like these red, yellow lights, just flash, flash, flashing, but each person had a different light. And, and I said, Lord, what does that mean? And I uh, I felt like it was the Holy Spirit was going over people, but each person was getting their own encounter. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was almost like blocking what other people's encounters were so you could focus on your own encounter. And I felt like it was, it was almost, it wasn't a distraction, but I felt like God was, was, was making it a way so because sometimes, I mean, even for me, sometimes when I'm worshiping, I get so focused on someone else pushing in. I said, Lord, why can't I push in as hard as them? And I felt like the Holy Spirit was blocking that, the, your peripheral, peripheral view so you could focus on yourself and you could focus on, on how God was impacting your life rather than on how he was impacting other people's lives. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of what I Amen. saw. <laughs> what I felt in it is that we need to operate in a position of understanding that whatever someone else is doing we don't have to do it. And on the same side of it, whatever someone else is doing should never offend you. Because the enemy works that he wants us to look at everybody else, but God wants us to look at self. Because our first beatitude and our second are going to talk about self very heavily. Because if we can't figure out self, quit trying to figure out anybody else. If someone's style of worship offends you, then you're, you've got the wrong attitude in your heart. Now, I'm not saying that that just gives a free-for-all. Because on the same side of that, 
If you feel, well, this is how I worship and I'm going to do it no matter what anyone else thinks, then you are also got the wrong attitude. I minister in hundreds, if not thousands of churches. Everyone has a different flavor and a different style, and I thank Jesus that they do. And I get to learn how I enter in has nothing to do with how everyone else is entering in. So I can sit in a liturgical service. I don't sit in many of them. But I've learned to sit in a liturgical service. Some of you are saying, what's liturgy? It's a traditional style of a service. Very traditional. And I can sit there and get such an influx of his presence but I also have to contain it so I don't become a distraction to everybody else. And so I'm bubbling and dancing and ripping it up inside. And I'm sitting there like this. Sometimes I don't even do this. I, just because no one else's hands are up. And I don't... Whoa! Hey! Hey! See, some of you have grown up and maybe have been a part of a liturgical service <laughs> with a lot of liturgy or traditions. And you and I have no right to say what they're doing is wrong if they're preaching the Word of God. What it is, is it's just a different style of family. So Jesus sits on the Mount of Olives teaching his disciples about the attitudes. Usually... When Jesus starts teaching, it's for a reason. And so he probably felt that his disciples needed to hear a little bit more about this kingdom of heaven thing that John the Baptist was declaring and Jesus declared. And he probably knew that his disciples had a little bit of the wrong attitude. And it wasn't going to get them to where he felt they needed to go. So he takes them up to the mountain. It's a beautiful mountain. Sharon and I were up there. I took some pictures. I should have shown you some pictures of the view. Looking over the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum's down below it. It's not a big mountain like British Columbia. They don't have those in Israel. It's a hill. It's kind of like a mountain in middle Alberta or Saskatchewan. <laughs> Speaking of, we have uh, Pastor Chris Hicks here from Windward High Prairie. Just stand. We took him down to Bethel, and he offended the whole church. I mean, no, he didn't. He, we took him to Bethel, and it was awesome. Kevin, Chris, and I in a car together for like 11 hours each way. I taught him well. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I didn't teach him well. I drove the whole way. Anyways, no, I'm, they wouldn't let, I wouldn't let them take it. I don't know what it is with me and driving. I like driving. The Bible teaches us about nine gifts of the Spirit, and it teaches us about nine fruits of the Spirit. And Jesus teaches about nine attitudes to live in. It's interesting. Numbers are important to God. He puts them all throughout the Scriptures. I'm not a numerology teacher, but they're important to God. The following passage that I'm going to talk lists these nine attitudes. They're called the Beatitudes. I truly believe that the Beatitudes, because this is what you and I are supposed to be. Starting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, 
he, that's Jesus, went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Verse 2, and then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If you're not, don't have a poor spirit, then you don't even get the kingdom of heaven. You don't grasp it. And he knows it in the kingdom of heaven is your answers. It's your joy. It's where, it's where you're going to find your miraculous. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if we live blessed then we have to be poor in spirit. I'm going to read them all, and then I'm going back to this one. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when, when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word blessed used in these verses, it sometimes is translated happy. And it means favored by God. I will refer to blessed as true happiness. But it literally means favored by God. But if you're favored by God, you are in true happiness. So attitude one. Again, verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You will be favored by God with poor in spirit. You will be happy in poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You cannot be happy in the king. You cannot not be happy in the kingdom of heaven. But how do you get there? You've got to have poor in spirit. Well, I'm, I'm good old theological Baptist boy. And we were very staunch Baptist. And so our poor in spirit was, I'm a dirty, wretched sinner. I'm a sinner. But I'm saved by grace. But yet I'm a sinner. And I, I, I grew up with this concept that I'm actually not great. I grew up with a concept, and I'm not saying all the Baptists, this is just me, the group I grew up in. And maybe it's just my interpretation of the theology I learned and studied. But either way, I grew up with an understanding that I won't be great. He's great. But then I started to reprocess and look through the scriptures and, and grasp and understand, is, did God create a bunch of losers? Did he create a bunch of sinners that were supposed to live in a sinful understanding or a poverty mentality? And so as I pursued this and I went after this, and there's going to be some that might not agree with me, but that's okay. Love Jesus, I love Jesus. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus was, teaching on how, Jesus was teaching on how we need to have an attitude that's totally dependent on God. That, that we must, 
in our, in, in our, in our raising and equipping, we were always told, be self-sufficient, self-reliant. Build your own thing. You can do it. But in the kingdom of heaven, we're actually not taught to be self-sufficient and self-reliant. We're not taught that we don't need anyone. We're actually taught that we need everyone. Many people are raised and taught with this independent attitude. Our society has it. It's all through it. But nowhere in Scripture does it say, be a mountain unto yourself. Or, you've got the anointing and nobody else has one like you. Because you've got the power, but nobody else around you. Nowhere does it teach that we're to go into a building. I'm anointed, and if they let me speak, that God's going to fall on the place. Nowhere does it talk about that I need to be on my own, and I should, I should not need anybody else around me. You know what? That's what happens in marriages before they divorce. That is not the answer to what God has called you and me to have identity in. And so we look at this, well, poor in spirit, what what is he talking about? Jesus taught that true happiness cannot be experienced without an attitude of total dependence on God. That we cannot find happiness of this world. We need to find happiness in his world. And out of his world, pour the abundant blessings. A person of, with lots of pride is, very, is not poor in spirit. Pride will take you out of this number one attitude. If you and I think we're greater than somebody else, then you are not poor in spirit. And I will say you will not receive the fullness of the kingdom of heaven. Every ability and talent we have, it comes from God first. We have to realize that. There is nothing we can boast of in ourselves. Oh, well, Brent, look what you're doing. No, what am I doing? I'm being obedient. I am in bondage to my Lord. That means I'm tied. I'm I'm heavily weighted with him. I can't. I got something around my leg, and I can't run away from him. I am bound with my Lord Jesus Christ. I am bound with my Father God. I am bound with the Holy Spirit. Oh, well, you don't shouldn't be bound at anything. That's the problem. Because that's an independent attitude, which means you're not poor in spirit. Oh, I, I choose to be bound. I choose to be tied with my Savior. And you know what? Today's Palm Sunday And just over 2,000 years ago, he chose to be bound to me by getting on a donkey and riding into the city that he knew was going to kill him. His circumstances didn't dictate his love. His circumstances didn't dictate his commitment. He was not boasting and prideful of himself. He literally came with poor in spirit. For you and me, and for everyone on that TV, and everyone out those doors. We must not confuse independent, self-reliant attitudes with hard work and living in an accountable way. 
We should not have independent self-attitudes, but we should work hard and be accountable. We must not confuse true identity with poor in spirit. Some people are like, that person's stuck on himself. You know what? Maybe they just understand who they are. And it usually offends people who don't know who they are. Just listen to what I'm saying. Hey, Brent, what do you do? I preach to thousands. Oh, come on. What, 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 what do you do? Yeah, I oversee just over 100 churches and ministries around this world now. Well, that sounds boastful. Actually, it is. I'm boasting about the one that made them. Not myself. Are you kidding me? I am boasting about the one I am bound to. I have chosen to be a bondservant to. Who said, I don't want you to be a servant anymore through my son Jesus. I want you to be a son. And so I have chosen to, to boast, to to. to Preach the gospel. I'm boasting about the kingdom. When you hear me share a testimony, I'm boasting about him, not me. I didn't do it. He did it. It's not to puff me up. Are you kidding me? The more ministry I'm involved in, the, 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 the lower and lesser I feel capable of doing it. But I will tell you what. God doesn't see my incapability. He sees my capability in him. Poor in spirit brings true identity. Jesus taught us to work, but to remember that if God, it is God who gives us the strength. It is God who gives us the talent. It is God who gives us the ability to work. So if we don't work and we don't feel strength, we feel weak, then we're really not living God in our lives. Even in the achievements, we must remain poor in spirit, knowing that God, it was through God that I did it. Even in the middle of the greatest achievement, maybe you just got promoted in your business. Whoa, look what I did. No, 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 no. Look what God did through you. We are to live in, self, live in self-minded poverty. Listen to this. We are to live in self-minded poverty. In other words, self-attitude is to be poor. This is poor in spirit. It's not poor in identity. It's taking your human nature, your human understanding and being poor in it. In other words, you're not living it. You can't do it. Listen to what I'm saying. I want you to get this point, because if you don't, you're going to think I'm just all wackoed. And I am. I know that. But that's okay. You don't have to think it out loud. <laughs> Self-minded poverty. Self is poor in spirit. Kingdom owns the cattle on a thousand hills. My way, self, is poor in my spirit. His way is my lifestyle. My attitude, anger, malice, all the frustrations, 
stress, all that is, needs to be poor in my spirit. So I can live in his kingdom without self getting in the way. Our needs and our trust is in God. I cannot do it on my own. But because of him, I can do it. This is called poor in spirit. I cannot do it on my own. But because of him, I can do it. You see, it's not, it's not a, a, a physical lifestyle you're supposed to live in. It's a spiritual lifestyle of self you're supposed to get out of. Because I know people that have gone so far with it, I'm going to drive a beat-up old vehicle so no one thinks I'm wealthy. If you got blessing, be blessed. Driving junk or acting in a poverty mentality on this earth does not bring you greater blessings. What brings you greater blessings would be the same person saying, I am so blessed by God. I get the desires of my heart. And what I'm driving is a blessing from him. I just happen to be able to drive it on this earth. Do you understand? you see the differences I'm talking about? Matter of fact, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. I just can't do any of it with a rich spirit. But with a poor spirit, remember what spirit I'm talking about, self. You know it's self because there's no way God's spirit is poor. It's human nature. It's my own understanding. I need to lose it. I need to be poor in it. I, I need to not live in it. I can't, have the, I can't have the riches of my own understanding. I can't have the self of my own understanding. I can't have a bank account saved of my own understanding. I have to lose my mind for the sake of the gospel and get his so I can be rich in him, which gives me the favor and blessings to walk on this earth. But I got to lose myself first. I got to be poor in the spirit. In my spirit, not the Holy Spirit. I'm wealthy and rich. No matter if I'm in a tent in Africa with a little fire, wondering who's going to eat, I can still be rich in his spirit. Poor in self-spirit, you understand when I say self-spirit, brings us into the riches of his kingdom. The understanding, this understanding is the first attitude toward true happiness. If we don't get this one, I can't believe we're going to see the trueness of his happiness. We have to get this first one. And next time I preach, we'll have to get the second one. This attitude of poor in spirit, being poor in spirit, causes us to turn to the source of life. We realize how helpless we are if we live apart from God. When we come to God poor in self-spirit, we, we find his love, his mercy, his graciousness, and we experience his forgiveness and his strength to live his life here on earth, which results in true happiness. 
You see, we're to live the life of Christ in us on this earth. You see, Jesus was poor in spirit. He would have been happy in his own human spirit to not be whipped, battered, punished, and hung on a cross. His own human spirit would not have enjoyed a crown of thorns being stuck on his head. And he would not have enjoyed the spear stuck in his side. But you see, Jesus knew something. He lived these nine attitudes that he had to teach us. Because even without these nine attitudes, called the Beatitudes, we can't even fully receive the nine gifts of the Spirit and the nine gifts of faith. We have to prepare ourselves for the more. But so many people just sit week after week in a church pew, wanting the more, crying out, have mercy on us, God. Oh, bless me, bless me. And we sit there, some sit there week after week after week without grabbing the understanding that God has already blessed us. We just haven't had the mindset change to live in his blessings. Oh no, but the blessing means I need a mortgage-free house. The blessing means I need more money. The blessing, no, 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 no. That actually happens if we grab these nine principles. So the first attitude to true happiness is to acknowledge our identity as sons. Because without that identity, sons and daughters, you know what I mean? Without that identity, we will be helpless and defeated, and that's the lifestyle we'll live. But how do you truly acknowledge your sonship, your daughtership? Be poor in your spirit, self-spirit. And realize the greatness of God. He can do everything through me in Christ Jesus. That he can meet all my needs through an acknowledgement of his son, Jesus Christ, as my living Lord and Savior. He can give me the peace that passes understanding, knowing that I don't have the ability to understand why I have peace in the middle of the storm. But his Holy Spirit upon me brings me a peace that passes understanding that in the middle of my illnesses, my sicknesses, in the middle of depression, I don't need to live there. I can have the peace that passes all understanding. And it's his joy which gives me the strength. We got to lose the all me spirit. And our society, what does it teach us? All me. It teaches us that you should sue them, you should do this, you have the right, you deserve that McDonald's hamburger faster than that. Maybe you don't deserve it faster. Maybe just be happy we actually have a McDonald's to eat 
you say, oh my goodness, well, that's kind of the food of demons, right? But no, 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 I'm just kidding. There's an awful lot of beautiful Christian people around this world that have never had a McDonald's or a KFC or a Wendy's. Heaven forbid they've never had a Starbucks. They're just crying out for one more bag of rice. And they know that the only way they'll stay alive is by God's grace and mercy. We're just spoiled people. We're we're spoiled. If you have a bank account, you're in the top 10% of the world's population. If you have money in the bank account, you're at something like the top eight or nine. <laughs> Forget the credit cards. Forget more than one pair of shoes. Forget that you even own a pair of shoes. But God didn't create them to be poor in spirit alone. Their poor in spirit brings them the understanding that all life depends on Him. And that's why sometimes when I travel internationally into poor countries, they have such revival breaking out. They don't have much, but I tell you what, they got more than enough when it comes to his presence. Let's not let our poor in spirit mindset be that we've got to be in poverty. No. But we need to be in poverty and self-spirit so we can live as sons and daughters and be rich in his kingdom. Not in the eyes of your neighbor. Do you remember what Justin brought? It was for, are you hearing from God? Are you feeling his presence by yourself? Or are you looking at somebody else and either getting offended or feeling like, I wish I could worship like them? Either way, they're both not poor in spirit. We have to look at it and say, if somebody's going for it beside you, let it empower you to go for what God has called you into. Not jealousy, but excitement. If someone receives a miracle and you haven't, don't let jealousy get in the way because jealousy is not poor in spirit. Don't let it get in the way. Celebrate their miracle. Like, thank God that they got a miracle. No, but I need one. Thank God. The guy for 38 years was watching everyone get healed except himself. All he needed was to get someone to take him into the pool of Bethesda. 38 years. Who did Jesus go to? The man who was poor in spirit. If that was me, after the first year of being lame, knowing that if I could just get in the pool of Bethesda, I'd buy shotguns and rifles. And I would sit at the top of those stairs and I would say, no way. I'm going first. But then I would have got thrown in jail and I would have never made it to the pool. Because the reality 
is I have to learn and had to learn how to celebrate someone else's favor. It used to bug me. What do you mean that person just had their mortgage paid off? Are you kidding me? You know what my mortgage is? God, you know I serve you. You know I want to be in full-time ministry with you, but are you kidding me? You paid the person's mortgage off that had tons of money. They make more money than I do. Oh, my goodness. I need a baseball bat to smack myself on the head. Because pride, jealousy, does not get poor in spirit. And so I started celebrating their amazing mortgage getting paid off in a big house that they didn't need. And I started thanking God for them and blessing them, saying, God, thank you. I know this man, and I know how much he serves you and goes after you, Father. Bless him abundantly. Thank you, Father, that he's got a beautiful car. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Yeah, yeah, I got to cut out my envy that I wouldn't mind his car. But thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that as we lay hands on people that are being healed, even though I need a healing and I'm not getting healed, but thank you, God, that they're getting healed. I had to learn what poor in spirit means, and I'm still learning it. But I know one thing now. I stand here in front of you knowing in my own spirit, I do not deserve this. I have not lived a holy, holiest enough life to deserve this in my own spirit. one thing God's forgiven me both past, present and future and his grace gives me an open door not to sin and live in that past life to learn and grow through every power of testimony in my own life and every one of yours and I now get to stand here and say to you I couldn't do it without him I couldn't be here right now without him because you wouldn't want me here without him because in him it changes my attitude. In him. In his attitudes. I can learn receive power not by self but power by him to change my life that I can receive wisdom not for you but for me first that I can live in a level of authority in my own life so I can tell that devil <laughs> you are one useless devil. And with that power and authority, through intimate relationship with the Father, I can look that devil in the eye and say, get behind me, Satan. 
have no right in my life. And as I learn to grow in my own need for him, just maybe I get to be a part of a testimony of his greatness, of his glory, of his manifest power, and his manifest authority. And maybe, just maybe, I get to speak to some people about the testimony of Jesus Christ. And maybe, just maybe, I get to see my family on fire for him because they see dad. spontaneous pneumothoraxes. It happens in young men, usually white, young, blonde-haired young men over six feet tall. And it's where your lung collapses automatically. It pops one of them or two of them. And it's like a knife being jabbed in your back. I always thought I was having a heart attack because the lung would collapse around the heart. I'd get pain in the heart, and I'd actually hear audibly a valve ticking in my heart. I was in my business one time, and it happened. Every time I went to get my heart checked was always after it had quit, and they said, your heart's strong, nothing's wrong with you. So I was getting ready for the mission field, and I had a business, and I was in the business, and it happened. So I'm sitting in my office, and one of my employees came in and said, boy, you look a bit pale. I said, yeah, I have this real big pain in my back, and, and it sounds like my heart is ticking. Can you hear my heart? And he was standing here, and he hears, t -t 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 -t. he says, get to the hospital right now. And because I went into the hospital, they, the doctor, I said, hey, I'm in emergency. Hey, just, can you hear my heart? Whoa! Pretty soon, there's 15 doctors and nurses. I said, you don't need your stethoscope, just listen. They said, have you ever had a heart valve replacement? I said, no. So they took x-rays of my chest and saw that one of my lungs had deflated about 30%. And they later realized after tests that, wow, you have what we call spontaneous pneumothoraxes. They're very painful. I've broken limbs and arms and collarbones, and this one hurts more. Interesting, I'm supposed to grow out of it. And I haven't had one for a long, long time, but it's interesting. 
that our last day at Bethel, I was reaching down to pull on my socks and it's getting harder to bend over. Does anybody know that feeling? Like the spare tire gets in the way. I need one of those fancy sock things that you can put them on a stick thing and pull them on. I was actually feeling great. And I reach over and I skip my sock halfway on and bam! One of the worst I'd had in 20, 30 years. Just trying to sit in a position that's not tweaking the muscles. So I finally got my sock on. I was a little late for breakfast to meet these guys. Kevin's right away, did you go to the hospital? No, I know what it is. And they prayed for me. And I think they need more faith. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that Tim Hortons, I told you. But it actually started to feel somewhat better, a little bit. Definitely not finished. And so I thought, well, I'm going to just drive so my mind's not sitting there doing nothing, thinking about it. And so I drove all the way home. But you know what? Didn't take my joy away. You can ask them. I might have said, praise the Lord a few more times than normal because I'm praising God. You seriously, little devil? You think something in my physical body is going to distract me from my father? Like, come on. You seriously think that learning how to live poor in spirit would allow anything of this earth to take my joy away? God knows who I am. I'm pretty sure he made you and he made me. Pretty much what my Bible says, very clearly. He knows every miracle and healing you and I need. Way back in the year 2000 to 2003, I had to come to an understanding that no matter what my physical body does in life, I will not stop preaching the gospel and I will not ever stop living in joy. So I kind of relaxed yesterday at home. Sharon says, you're moaning and groaning every time you're moving on the bed. I said, yeah, it hurts. And I came here this morning. And some were saying, do you, do you think you can go ahead and preach? And you know what? Thank you for being concerned. But the reality is, is if I didn't preach, then the devil would get the victory. If I lost my joy then the devil would get the victory. This whole preach, I have not felt a pain at all in my back. Now, I'm very aware that the anointing does that. And many times, you'll get off the platform and in an hour or two, you'll start feeling pain again. But you know what? Then we just gotta live more in the anointing. It shouldn't just be in these four walls. Because if we don't live in it outside of these walls, then you're not poor in spirit. You're thinking it's better in here than it is out there. 
Well, you know why there's a feeling of that in here? It's because there's a group of us that have come together in unity. But when we walk out those doors, we take what we get in here and we carry it for the rest of this week and we live in the victory. I don't have time to be sick. I don't have time to live in pain. I thank the Lord I'm here this week and I'm here this Friday and Sunday, but Easter Monday, I'm on the plane to Mexico. I get back from Mexico, I'm in Canada one day before I go to Pakistan. I get back from Pakistan, I'm in Canada one day before I go to South Korea. I don't have time for any physical things to slow me down. So as far as I'm concerned, devil, you're finished. And I just keep doing what God does. And if I have a thorn in my flesh, whatever, whatever. Are you poor in spirit? Because poor in spirit lives in his kingdom. And in his kingdom, his physical body will not limit me. I could have grabbed a chair and sat up here. That needs to happen in the future, it'll happen. But not yet. God's not finished with me yet. So whatever sickness you have, be poor in spirit. Don't let it affect you. You can't think about it with your physical understanding or you'll get depressed and frustrated if you don't get healed. But the reality is, be poor in spirit to self we can live in his kingdom of heaven at hand. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We magnify you. We lift up your holy name. Your kingdom has come and your will is being done here in our lives, this earthly vessel on earth as it is in heaven. And you give us this day our daily bread. You meet our needs. You give us everything we need. And even, Lord God, the more we get poor in our self-spirit, the more blessing you pour upon us. But let us forgive. Let us forgive. Let us not hold bondage of other people. Let us not look to someone else to go higher. And let us not look at someone else and be contradictive. But let us look to you, our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us look to you, Almighty One, O King of Kings, O Lord of Lords. Invade us, Holy Spirits, with a presence that's out of this worldly mindset, with a presence that heals these earthly bodies. Because we declare by your stripes, Jesus, we are healed. We are healed. We are healed.
I want to ask you something about that healing. We believe it to be physical, absolutely. That's what it implies. But I believe even more than that, it needs to be spiritual. That my faith does not rely on my physical healing. My faith relies on my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And my commitment, my belief on Him. right now looking for a rider. I'm thinking, well, hold it. This is Palm Sunday. Jesus should be on that donkey and people should be throwing palm leaves down in front of it. But no, I'm in the spirit in a vision right now and I see a donkey. I see many donkeys. And they're looking for their riders. To get onto this kind of a donkey, we need to be more poor in spirit. Because many of us don't want to ride on a burro, a donkey. We want to ride on a stallion. <laughs> One of you just got on your donkey. And let me just tell you, that is not a dumb looking donkey. As soon as you get on him, it's a fierce war horse. It's just looking for the riders. Leave your own abilities and get on your donkey today and ride and ride and ride. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, name of the Holy Spirit. All the people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.